Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using forever, as far as I know. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Whether we're gathered here in the room or gathered together online, uh, we're glad that you're here and glad that God meets us here. Uh, man, I am so glad that we don't have to like go climb some mountain or you know something like that to try to to try to find God. You know, God has God has found us, and He knows where we live, and He meets us right where we are. I am incredibly grateful for that. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray to Him as we begin. God, thank you. Uh, thank you that uh, that you came to us before we ever thought to start looking for you. Because um, God, you know that for each one of us, it's true that uh, we were just kind of doing our own thing. We thought we had life figured out without you. And uh, we needed you to take the first step, God, uh, to get a hold of us, to grab our attention, to, to let us know that, <laughs> that you are with us and that you love us, that you can help us out of the big mess that we create for ourselves, that you can help us to find a life that is more meaningful than the ones that we, we found to be so empty. So God, thank you. Thank you that today we get a chance to bring all of ourselves into this time of worship with you. We get to bring all of the, the good and the bad, all the things we are thankful for, all the things we are desperately crying for help with. We get to bring all of it to you today, God, knowing that you are here, knowing that you love us, knowing that you're with us. Uh, so please, God, uh, would you meet us here in this service? Would you help us to be open to you and what you want to say to us and the conversation you want to have with us today? Uh, help us to... Uh, to be open to hearing from you and help us to be willing to speak to you. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're interested, Abel, let's stand and let's sing. I am full of earth, you are heaven's worth. I am stained with dirt, prone to depravity. You are everything that is bright and clean. The antonym of me, you are divinity. The certain sign of grace is this. From the broken earth, flowers come up. Pushing through the dirt, you are holy, holy. Heaven cries, holy, holy God. You are holy, holy, holy. Now I want to be holy like you are. You are everything that is bright and clean. And you're covering me with your majesty The truest sign of grace was this That from wounded hands redemption fell down Liberating man, you are holy, holy, holy All heaven cries, holy, holy God You are holy, holy I want to be holy like you are. The harder I try, the more clearly can I feel the depth of our fall and the weight of it all. So this might could be the most impossible thing. Your grandness in me is making me claim. Oh, 
was holy, holy God. You are holy, holy, holy. Now I wanna be holy like you are. So here I am, all of me, finally everything holy.
to read from First Chronicles, uh, chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. Uh, David says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise for your glorious name. Accept my humble offering, all I have is yours. When I was chained to greed and pride, tight-fisted, destined just to die, you paid my debt and bought my life, and all I have is yours. anything of value to you. I mean, all that we have comes from you. As David said in the verses that follow there, everything that we have comes from you. We give you only what has come from your hand. You have blessed us, God. And, and so we have opportunity to, to bless you in return, to thank you for all of your good gifts, to thank you for the strength that you give, for the mercy that we find, for the grace that you extend our way for the people that you place in our lives, God, we, we give you thanks. Those through whom your grace uh, flows into our lives. Um, God, we are grateful for family, for friends, for church family, even for strangers, God, that we suspect might be angels in disguise. God, we thank you for all the people you send our way. And 
God, we thank you that you give us opportunities to be those people for others. We thank you that we get to partner with you and to let your grace flow through us. So grant others the, the, the strength that they need to, to give someone encouragement in a time of great difficulty. To come alongside someone and to give them one of those, you know, arm around the shoulders, side hug things that lets them know, hey, I care about you and you are not alone. At all the little ways that you that you are at work in our lives. We are so grateful. Thank you that we have this, uh, this holiday coming up this week uh, where we pretty much all, everybody in the whole nation, uh, for the most part, like we stop and just say thanks and reflect on how blessed that we are. Thank you that we have the opportunity here to, to extend a meal to folks uh, on Thursday. We pray that those who show up here on that day will experience not just our uh, the food that we get to offer them and not just the smiles on our faces but that they might experience your grace and your presence your care for them God thank you God that in the middle of what sometimes can be a very messy very hard world in the midst of circumstances that make us question make us question whether you are really here or not God, you know, sometimes we find ourselves crying out along with David. Where, where are you, God? Why is this happening? How long, O oh Lord? And even in the midst of those circumstances, we can be reminded that you are present with us, that you have not kept your distance from our dark and broken world, but instead you have come to us in Jesus Christ. You have experienced it all, even our death so that whatever we might face, we know that we are not alone, that you are present with us there, that your grace overcomes, is more powerful than whatever we might face, even death. God, your love, your grace is stronger than death. And that's why we gather on this Sunday morning, because it was on a Sunday morning, that you defeated death and raised Jesus from the dead and gave us the promise of new life. So God, today, we thank you and we pray that you would help us to connect with you, with your love, with your grace, with your life. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. We're going to take a couple minutes and extend that peace to each other. You can shake some hands or give some fist bumps or whatever that looks like for you. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll continue. Uh, yeah, if you noticed them trying to, trying to fix the drums this morning, we had a group. Uh, well, actually, we, we loaned our drums to another the church in Hammond. They had a, a gospel choir out there uh, this last Sunday night, and they realized they didn't have drums. And so we loaned our drums to, to our sister church out there. And then uh, they came back. They were all still, you know, I, I don't know how to put drums together. Uh, but there was another group here Friday night as part of the Unity Cafe that they played. And so they put them back together. Not exactly the way that, you know, Miles would want them together. So he's been uh, amazingly flexible this morning and making it work anyway. Um, so hopefully you got one of these when you came in. Uh, if not, I see some more back there on the table. Uh, just to let you know what's going on around here. It's got notes for the message. Uh, we'd love to connect with you, of course. Uh, you can do that online, uh, or you can do it by grabbing one of those green cards back there and dropping it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, you can drop it in the box as well, uh, or you can give online, of course. And uh, thank you again to those of you who are giving to the Habitat Project. I think it's around four, four grand that's been donated so far. Uh, if God is moving you to help build that house, you can give uh, online, or you can also uh, sign up, RSVP 
RSVP for the next build day. It's a week from this Saturday. So you have about two weeks away. Uh, so December 3rd, if you'd like to help, uh, whatever it is, wherever the state of the house is at that point, you don't have to know how to do any of it. You just show up and uh, they say, oh, okay, here, well, do you know how to do this? No? Well, let me show you. And they'll just show you how to do it, and they'll make sure that you don't screw it up too bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I helped last year and this year, and it's, it's a good thing. I don't know yet if I'll be able to be there at uh, the December 3rd day, but, uh, but yeah, hopefully you will. So they just need to know you're coming. So go to livinghope.info habitat, and there's a link right there, and you can RSVP and let them know that you're planning to be there and how many are coming with you. And then that way they make sure they've got enough lunch for you because they're going to feed you lunch and have all the tools and all that good stuff. Um, uh, let's see. This, this week, you know, before we get to Thanksgiving, we've got Wednesday here, and Wednesday night we don't have any of our usual activities here, so the youth group's not meeting, the Bible study's not happening. Uh, there's another group actually is going to be serving a Thanksgiving meal to their uh, folks, some guys in town that really need the help. And then Thursday, from noon to 2, we're serving a meal right here uh, for anybody who wants it. Free Thanksgiving Day meal. Uh, if you don't have somebody to celebrate Thanksgiving with, you're welcome to be here. We've had, uh, like, a dozen of you that have said, hey, I'll be there to help. So we got all the volunteers we need, the food's already provided. Uh, we have no idea how many are going to show up. We're not putting it out on the sign or on Facebook or anything like that, other than this. I guess this is on Facebook, but yeah. Um, uh, we're, not, we're not blasting it out there because we don't want to have like 200 people show up and we have food for 100. So we've got food for somewhere between 75 and 100 people, and it should be a lot of fun. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, uh, you can be here Thanksgiving between noon and 2, or if you're volunteering, I think Pastor Judy's going to be in touch with you about uh, when to show up on Thursday. Um, and then Friday night, the usual uh, Unity Cafe is happening. They're going to have a dinner. There's going to be like three dinners in this place uh, this week. It'll be, it'll be fun. Uh, and then next Sunday, uh, we start this uh, Advent season. So and there's a little Advent devotional book. If you haven't grabbed one yet, they're right out there uh, in the lobby. And if you're watching online and you aren't able to be here on Sundays, uh, let us know if you want one. We'll make sure we get it to you. We'd love for you to have it before next Sunday uh, because that's when Advent begins. And uh, this little daily devotional book will help, help guide you through the season as, it, as we make our way toward Christmas. And um, also next Sunday, uh, we're going to have a... I don't think I've ever baptized anybody on the first Sunday in Advent, uh, but whether you know her as uh, Josh or Ghost or more recently uh, Matica, she's getting baptized next Sunday. And so in this service, uh, so we've got some guests from other places that want to be a part of it. So um, anyway, so that's happening uh, next Sunday as well. If you've not been baptized and you want to be, and you're like, hey, I've been meaning to ask you about this, uh, talk to me. Maybe we'll baptize you too next Sunday. That'd be great. Uh, we'll already have the water here. So if you want to get baptized next week, uh, we'll, we'll be doing that. Um, oh, and I was asked to remind you that uh, out in the lobby, you've probably seen already, there's a big coat rack and a table with uh, coats and sweaters and gloves and scarves and hats and boots and all that stuff out there is free if you need it or if you've got them to give, you feel, feel free to drop them off. If we just get overwhelmed with them, of course, we can take the overflow and take them to some other places. But, you know, we have enough folks that come through here during the week uh, that need a coat or need a hat or need gloves uh, that they've been going pretty quick. So if you, uh, if you need them, take them. If you have them to share, uh, you can bring them to share. Um, there's probably something else I should be mentioning that I'm forgetting, but no one's flagging me down. So we'll just keep going. All right. Uh, what does it mean to live a blessed life? That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, and we're wrapping that up today before moving into Advent next Sunday. And um, uh, when, I, when I think of the, the you know, hashtag blessed life or whatever, when I, when I think about feeling blessed, uh, it, it reminds me of some stuff I've heard over the last few years about uh, kind of the context that you find yourself in, how much that has to do with whether you feel like you are well off or not, right? Most of us, no matter how much money we make, we will never feel truly rich because there's always somebody who's richer, 
right? There's always somebody who's got that fancier car or that fancier house. Um, in, in my mind, one of those things that, that says you got money is like you have a boat. Uh, I've never owned a boat. Our family's never had a boat. We just never lived, you know, close enough to water to need a boat or anything like that. Um, and so I think of people who have like, oh, they've got a boat. Like they live on a lake or they, you know, like they've, they've kind of, they're that next step up, you know. Um, but everybody that has a boat, there's always somebody with like a bigger boat, a nicer boat, a faster boat, you know, a little more luxurious boat. It doesn't matter. Um, we, we like to go up to Michigan sometimes uh, and to one of those old coastal towns where you just get to hang out and relax. And, and uh, you know, they've got a little harbor there, marina, and we like watching the boats, right? And man, they come in all sizes. You know, there are people with the little inflatable dinghy kind of things, you know, making their way out down past the lighthouse out and, you know, Hopefully not into Lake Michigan. I've never watched. They actually, they do go out there, don't they? Yikes. Uh, anyway, you know, and sometimes you got the dog in there with them, you know, just floating on out there. And they're going right past these giant, you know, triple-decker whatever boats that look like you could have 50 people in them. Um, do you feel blessed when you've got the little inflatable dinghy? Or do you look at the other boats and think, oh, I sure would be more comfortable if we had that boat, you know? And I think most of the time we live in a culture that like our whole economy is kind of based on showing us that thing we don't have yet that we and trying to trying to make us want that thing. Right. And so we don't feel satisfied. We don't feel uh, well to do, even though we might have so much more than if we were to try to turn the other direction and look at somebody, you know, who doesn't have a boat, who doesn't have a house, who might not have hat, gloves, coat, you know, um, you know, Sometimes we find ourselves without something, it's just because we, like, forgot to buy it, you know. Like, oh, you got the money, you could buy it. And then there's other folks who, like, they don't have it because they don't have the money. They, they can't buy it. They had one that somebody gave them and it wore out, and now they're struggling. Right? But we don't often look that direction, right? We usually look the other direction. You know, there aren't ads on TV during our sporting events showing us the other direction and how well off we are. And don't bother buying anything this, you know, this Black Friday because, you know, you got everything you need, right? There aren't those ads, right? That's, that's not what they spend money for. So our context has a lot to do with whether we feel blessed or not. And I can remember reading not too long ago uh, that they were asking people, would you rather, you know, it was like, would you rather um, like make $200,000 a year, but everybody you know also makes $200,000 a year. So like everybody makes 200 grand a year. Or would you rather make, you know, 150 grand a year but everybody around you makes 100 grand. And people feel richer. They, they, and I don't remember now if they preferred it or if it was just they felt richer if they're making the 150 and everyone around them makes 100 because by comparison, they're better off than if they actually make more money, but everyone around them makes more money as well. Um, which is kind of messed up, maybe? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I think about living a blessed life and and what it means to be living in like a blessed community, um, how the context matters for feeling blessed. And we're gonna, we're gonna look at that a little bit today and uh, how we can be a part of a blessed community and help it to be a blessed community. Uh, but first, just a reminder, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how you know, God has blessed us to be a blessing uh, because, and God wants us to be a, a generous giving people. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. He wants our hearts to look like his. God is a generous God. So if, if we find ourselves still with a greedy, grudging heart, we need to deal with that. We're all born that way with a heart that says, hey, this is for me and mine and wants to just let it all stop with me. Uh, we need to develop a generous, grateful heart. A generous heart 
like the heart that God has toward us and a heart full of gratitude for all that God has blessed us with. And last week, we talked about keeping our hearts tuned to God's blessings by bringing him that first tenth, giving God the, the tenth and, and giving to him first before we give to everything else, before everything else goes. Uh, I was just reminded talking to one of you this morning uh, about how that's how life works. If we're not intentional about things, and we were talking about schedule and that kind of thing, if you're not intentional about your schedule and putting the important things in there, then all the other busy stuff will just fill it up. And the same thing is true about our, our finances, right? We don't want to give God the, the leftovers if there's anything left over at the end of everything else. We want to give God the, the first, the best. We want to make sure we put, make that a priority in our lives to give back to God. And the reason is because it keeps our hearts tuned in to God. It, it keeps us remembering, oh, God, all this comes from you. You are the one who has blessed me, and so I'm going to give this back to you with a grateful heart, ready to, you know, for you to use it for your purposes in the world, and then... That, that helps me to understand that all this is yours. And that, that changes my perspective on my stuff. Uh, it helps us to keep our hearts tuned in to God. Uh, one of those key verses that I think I've mentioned every single week because I don't want us to miss it, and I hope it puts you at ease if you're, like, freaking out. They're like, oh, man, it's a money message again. Uh, every time I walk into a church, they're talking about money. Uh, this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, are my favorites in the, in the Bible on money, on giving, where the Apostle Paul says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? So we're not twisting anybody's arm here. You know, this, you'll never have us, uh, I'll never be up here trying to guilt you into giving or doing something. Uh, I might encourage you to give. I might present an opportunity to give, but there's never going to be a lock the doors, pass the plate three times until finally we've come up with the money kind of moment. All right? You, you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. You talk to God, you talk to whoever else is, you, know, you have to make financial decisions with, and you make a decision, and you give cheerfully, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And then it says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He's saying God is going to bless you then so that you've got your needs covered and you have extra to share. Uh, when we are generous toward others, when God sees that we're going to let his blessings flow through us to others, then he's willing to like, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and bless you then so that you can be a blessing to others. I know I can entrust you with this because if I give this to you, if I give you that raise or I give you that whatever, or I give you that, you know, those resources, I know you're not just going to keep it for yourself. You've demonstrated that you're going to share with others. So today I wanted us to look at some words of Jesus and some words of Paul that, uh, that have been kind of echoing in the back of my mind. And as I've only got one Sunday left, I wanted to touch on both of these uh, real quick. One of them is the context for those words from 2 Corinthians. All right, that's what we're going to get to. But first, uh, some words of Jesus himself. Uh, he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This might be a verse you need to like tape to your TV or something this week as you see all those ads or whatever, right? Um, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He'd, he got more than he expected, right? More than he had anticipated. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. So he's already got barns. He's got room. He's already prepared for the future, for next year. You know, he's got, he's got enough so that he can 
continue his you know, business and plant next year. He's got enough stored away for whatever his future needs might be. But, you know, now I've got extra. What can I do? You know what? I'm, I'm just going to build bigger barns. I'm going to keep it for me. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? That who will get thing. But this is a verse I've heard some people talk about estate planning with right there. You know, like, we never know when our time's going to come. Who's going to get your stuff once you're done using it? Once, once your time here is done and you've got to hand it off to someone, who's going to get that? Hopefully you've thought about that and passing that along to your heirs or to charities you care about or church or whatever, whoever you're giving that money to. Who's going to get that once you're gone? God, God says, you have prepared all this for yourself. You, you've acted foolishly. And Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. So this guy had extra, and he could have thought, man, what can I do with all this extra? Man, I wasn't anticipating this. There's some, there's some, I bet there's some needs I could meet, right? I, I bet there's some good I could do in the world. And instead, he just thought, how can I hold on to this? I have no place to put it. My pockets are already full. You know, I'll get bigger pockets. I'll build bigger barns. I'll, you know, because I know I'm keeping this for me. And Jesus says that is a foolish way to live. If we just store up for ourselves but are not rich toward God, uh, being rich toward God. It, you know, that ties into last week. We were talking about giving to God, and we were talking about the people of Israel. They were supposed to bring their, their tithe, their first tenth to the, the temple, uh, partly to, to worship God, to give thanks to God, partly, as we read, you know, they would have a feast, and they would celebrate with their neighbors and with the poor and with the Levites who didn't have land uh, to be able to harvest anything. They needed to be cared for by the people and, and to care for the temple itself. You know, and so we give to the church. You know, we give financially today. We Drop money in the box, we give it automatically. That's how we do it. Um, we donate stock or whatever, whatever you're doing. I've, people give from their IRA distributions, all, all kinds of different ways that we make sure that we're supporting God's work, God's mission. But then it's not just that. Um, you know, we have opportunities to be generous in other ways. We can be rich toward God by giving to his people, by giving to the people God cares about. Uh, the Bible's real clear on that. And in fact, as we looked at last week, right, when, that, when God says in Malachi to, to bring it all into the, into the storehouse so that my house may be full, uh, this was the place where the poor would come when they needed help, was to the temple, was to those religious leaders, to make sure that there was, so that food wasn't just to feed priests, it was also to feed the poor. It, was all, it wasn't just to, to keep the temple uh, working, it was also to make sure that, that people had what they needed. Uh, just the very next verse Jesus addresses some of our, our emotions that come up when we think about uh, giving. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry. And sometimes we worry, right? Especially if we're making this step, we've not been giving before and we're starting to and we feel like God's, you know, as we're talking to God about it, we're starting to make a decision in our heart that like, oh, I think I might need to start giving more than I've been giving. I've been just kind of giving a little leftovers. I need to be intentional. I'm, I'm going to need to make a shift in my finances. But what about this and what about that we start to worry and jesus tells him look don't worry you know he, he tells him look look how god cares for the for the fields and, and the you know clothes them with flowers how god cares for the birds and make sure they have food god can care about god cares about you he can take care of you don't worry and then and then he says do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom there's fear sometimes that pops up you know 
worry, fears. And, and Jesus is trying to say, look, it's, it's going to be okay. Your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. All of God's reign, all of God's kingdom, he's giving it to you. So you can do what he says next. You can sell your possessions, give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. He had just been talking about some of those worries. You know, what if somebody steals it? What if it gets destroyed? He said, well, send it on ahead, you know, by giving to the poor. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the, the way that he says to, to give in that case is to give to the poor. Give to people who need it. People who might not have that Thanksgiving meal if you don't help provide it. People who might not have the hats and gloves if you don't help provide it. People who might not have shelter unless you help provide it. He said we can, we can sell our extra and give to help those who don't have enough. This is going to pop up again in what Paul says uh, to the Corinthians in just a moment. So if maybe, maybe you're one who's skeptical about church, maybe you're watching online, you're not here because you're like, you're real skeptical about church and you don't know about even coming to the place and you're like this, you, you think, oh, this is all about, you know, the pastor trying to make more money or, or trying to get more for his church or something. That's not what this is about, okay? Um, maybe you start by giving to the poor, all right? Give, give to someone in need. Do that, all right? And if, if you feel motivated at some point to give to the church, if you feel motivated at some point to connect with a group of other people who are going to also be trying to live this blessed life, we can be a blessing to others, and you want to support that and be a part of that, great, then do that. But please don't neglect the poor. Please don't neglect your neighbors who are in need, the people that God places right in front of you who could use a hand. Just a few verses later in Luke chapter 12, this, there's a whole chapter here in Luke 12 where Jesus is kind of on this theme. He says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. It didn't start with, with Spider-Man, okay, this, this idea. Um, this, this idea goes all the way back to, back to Jesus. That if you've been given much, then you've got, you got a greater responsibility. If it's been entrusted to you, if, if extra has been entrusted to you, then okay, then more might be asked of you. I said might, Jesus said will, all right? More will be asked of you. Uh, when we do this, when we see this play out, then we see that we really are, the, the community looks like a blessed community. Um, in fact, the early church, the, the followers of Jesus, and we look at the book of Acts, as they were beginning to live this out, as God's Holy Spirit is poured out on the community, as they're beginning to live life this new way with this new perspective, uh, in Acts chapter 4, it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So from time to time, those who had extra, they were starting to realize, you know what, I don't, I don't need all this extra. I've, I've been keeping this for me. I, and there are people in our community that have needs. Oh, wow, God, forgive me. Here, let's, let's sell that, and let's, let's give this money to some people who have, have needs. There's nothing, nothing wrong with owning land or houses. You know, there's nothing wrong with owning possessions, receiving God's blessings as long as you're not just hoarding it for yourselves, right? There was nothing wrong with that rich man having barns, having a harvest, needing a place to store his grain. The problem was when he found himself with surplus, he didn't think of the poor. He didn't think of being rich toward God. He just thought, how can I keep more for me? And so the early church started to say, because God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, God's grace was helping them to have a shift in perspective and to see their neighbors and to realize that, you know what? 
I'm, I'm just not going to feel good about this if, if my neighbors are hungry and I'm jetting off to you know, my house in the Bahamas or whatever. Let's, let's make sure these folks are fed. It makes me think about Thanksgiving and sitting down to a, a big meal, right? I, I don't know how many of you have a tradition of sitting down to a big meal, getting together with family. I'm guessing a few of you are going to be getting together with family and uh, sitting down and, and you put a lot of time, energy into making sure that meal is right. You do. I don't. I don't do it. Put any energy into making sure the meal is, is prepared. And frankly, uh, Stacy does all that or someone else does all that work and uh, I just show up to, uh, to eat it and maybe help clean up. Uh, <clears throat> But, you know, there's all this effort that goes into it. And I'm just picturing, like, you got the table and you got a dozen people sitting around it or 20 or however big your group is that gets together. And imagine for a moment that, like, you know, people weren't passing the food. You know, that like, like you just sat down like, oh, turkey's in front of me. Lucky me, you know. <laughs> I get to eat this bird, you know. And the person down there who's just got, like, whatever the green thing is that's on the table that I usually avoid. Uh, and they're just like, so this is, this is all I get? You know, um, no, that, that food is meant to be passed. It's meant to be shared, right? And just because you sit down in front of the bird doesn't mean the bird's all yours. I can't imagine enjoying a Thanksgiving meal very much if, like, we didn't share the food. If there was somebody sitting there just looking hungry the whole time. Uh, and we, like, passed the food around them or something. Uh, we, we tend to be pretty good. And I'll just be honest. This is true for me as well. Uh, we tend to be pretty good. Jesus addressed this. Oh, man. Jesus addressed this on one occasion. Hey, he was challenging people who had invited him to their house for a meal, for a banquet. And he had said, like, when you throw a banquet, don't just invite all your rich friends who are going to invite you back to their banquets later, who are going to pay you back. He says, invite the poor. Invite people who could never pay you back. So then you'll be blessed. Then you'll be rewarded. Your Heavenly Father will see that and see that you're being truly generous. And I was thinking, we, we have a we have a real tendency to, like, be good at giving gifts to each other or inviting each other over, people who might invite us back or give us gifts back or, you know, kind of keeping that playing field pretty level and, and forgetting to, like, include people who might not be able to bring a gift to the party, might not be able to bring a dish to share, making sure there's enough for them, making sure they're included. That's makes me think of, uh, of Paul and what he says to the Corinthians. Um, he's writing to these folks. These are people he had visited before. The Apostle Paul traveled all over the Mediterranean world telling people the good news about Jesus. And as people put their trust in Jesus, he would form them into these little communities of faith, these churches. And, uh, and he would also share news. You know, he'd write letters and they would, they would get information and find out how things are going in other places. And one of the things Paul did as he traveled around, they were going through a time of famine back in Jerusalem at this time. And there wasn't quite enough. People were struggling and so as he traveled, he would say, hey, and by the way, the people back in Jerusalem are struggling. If you'd like to give to help, you know, I'm, I'm making a circuit here. I'm going to be landing back there by the end of the year. I'll be happy to help or by the end of the month or whatever his travel schedule was. I'll be going back there and we'd be happy to take that gift back for them. And he, he mentions in Corinthians, talks about like having trusted people, making sure that they can trust whoever's holding that money so that it's not just going into Paul's pocket, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, you, can, you can read that on your own in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Um, but when he had talked to the Corinthians, when they had heard about it, they were ecstatic. They were like, oh, yeah, let us help. We want to help. And now Paul's getting ready to go visit them, and he's trying to make sure that their gift is, is ready. And so that's kind of the context for what's happening. And uh, so he writes to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches, kind of the churches next door to you guys. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. 
entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. These, these guys were super generous. They were going through a hard time themselves. We didn't expect that they would be, man, they overwhelmed us. God's, God's grace, this was God's grace that was at work in their church. They've been super generous. And we, want, we wanted you to know about their generosity. Because then, as he says elsewhere, we were bragging to them about you and how excited you were to give. <laughs> and said, so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. So he's sending this letter with Titus, right? And so Titus now is there in Corinth, and he's reading this letter from Paul. And, you know, so that's why I've sent Titus. He's going to make sure that this gift, this excitement that you have, actually turns into a generous gift. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So this is God's grace at work in our lives that helps us to, to be generous toward others and to give. So I'm ten, sending Titus on ahead. Uh, he, as he says elsewhere in here, he says, because, you know, when we come to visit, what if, what if some of the Macedonians come with us? You know, and they've, they've heard about how excited you are to give and to be a part of this project. What if they show up and, like, you weren't ready, like you forgot how excited you'd been. And, but, you know, but since you've slept since then, right? And, and, and you've seen a lot of TV commercials since then. And you've, you've bought some stuff since then. And you kind of forgot to be setting something aside for the poor. And so we're sending Titus on ahead to make sure that when we show up, that like you're excited and you're ready to give. Uh, as he says, uh, he says then a few verses later, he says, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it's written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, one they gathered little, then out of too little. He's walking back to looking back to a story in the Old Testament. Uh, I think it was the story of the gathering of the manna, where God provided daily bread. It's part of our prayer each week that Jesus taught us to pray: "Give us this day our daily bread." That part of this was God was teaching them: "Look, I'm providing for you, and when I provide for you, nobody ends up with too much, nobody ends up with too little. Everyone has their needs met." And Paul is looking at a situation where he's saying, "Right now, you got extra, and they don't have enough. So let's." Let's pass the food around the table. Let's make sure they've got food on their plate, too. Because you're not going to eat that whole bird. <laughs> You've got more. Your barns are overflowing already. You can share with them. The goal is equality. And God is providing. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid. We can trust him. That he's going to meet our needs. And then help us to then also abound in every good work. Oh, so that's where he goes then in chapter 9. Sorry, this is what I was mentioning earlier. It says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you'd promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Which I thought was interesting because uh, we were talking about not wanting to have a grudging heart, you know, and, and making sure that we're giving cheerfully because, and I thought, oh, so a grudging gift could just be one like, oh, yeah, I promised I was going to give to that and I forgot and, uh, I guess I've got to, okay, yeah, I'll make good on my promise, but yeah, it doesn't feel good. He's like, no, I want, I want this to be intentional on your part. Like I mentioned earlier, when, when, we, uh, when we intentionally give, when we intend to give, when we put it in our, in our plan, it says it'll be ready as a generous gift, when you can be excited to give, because you've already planned to give it. Remember this, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, right? When you, you just put a few seeds in the ground, then the harvest is going to be just a few plants. But 
whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's kind of reaching back to what Jesus had said we talked about the last couple of weeks, about the measure that you use when you give is the measure that will come back to you. And so don't judge and you won't get judged. Give grace to others and they'll give grace to you. Like if you put a little bit out there, then a little bit comes back. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And this then leads, uh, leads in the following verses. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he's talking about God, right? God's one who gives seed to the person who needs to plant it. He's one who gives bread for food. He will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So through us taking this generous gift of yours back to the people who need it, there's going to be thanksgiving offered to God because of your generosity. Which ultimately leads him saying, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Remember, God has been so generous toward us. I don't know about you. I, don't, I enjoy being blessed by God. I enjoy having my needs met. I enjoy having extra to spend on things that are, you know, a little bit luxurious, a little bit frivolous, a little bit fun, right? I enjoy that. That's, that's fun. I don't want to live in a community where I have all the fun and someone else is suffering, right? I don't want to sit at a table where I've got all the food and someone else's plate is empty. And I'm, I'm thankful to pastor a church that cares, that, like you guys do, um, to partner with Habitat to help build houses for people, to, to open our building to, to neighbors who are homeless, to make sure they have a place to stay as we partner with New Creation Men's Center or as we leave our outer doors unlocked so that people can get in out of the freezing cold when it's really bad like it has been lately. You guys find ways to be generous toward others. Um, oh, I don't think I mentioned that. That little bit from Acts 4 is why we call that one fund in our church the Acts 4 fund. It's so that when people want to give to that Acts 4 fund, that's for people in, the, in our church family who have need. Um, that gives me a little money that I can dip into to, to give to them to help make sure that they, that rent payment gets paid or that car repair is made or whatever it is. Uh, and some of you give to that. Some of you give to the Good Neighbor Fund, which goes to, to people outside ourselves. In fact, next Sunday we'll have that little warm-a-home tree out in the lobby that comes from uh, First Contact here in town. And some of you will take an ornament and you'll make a gift. You'll put it in an envelope and you'll send it off. Uh, to make sure that some of our neighbors who aren't a part of our church, who maybe don't have any church, to make sure they've got uh, resources they need. I I'm thankful to pastor a, a generous church. People whose hearts have, have, been <clears throat> have been shaped over the years by having those patterns of tithing built into your life. Uh, people who have been moved by God's Holy Spirit to be generous toward others, whether you have a lot, whether you have a little. I I'm thankful. Um, it's kind of like Paul in his letters. Uh, he often is, starts his letters just by giving thanks for, for his relationship with the people he's writing to, for the, the evidence of God's grace at work in their lives. And I give thanks for you, for, for your willingness to, to open our building to serve the community, uh, for your willingness to give generously to make sure needs are met. Uh, I don't know that we've arrived yet. I mean, I'm not, I'm not patting us on the back and saying, yep, so we're perfect, you know. 
I'm guessing there are ways we can be even more generous than we have been. And with God's help, we will be. As God's grace is powerfully at work among us. As, God's, as God helps us to excel in this grace of giving. As God helps us to have a, a perspective that says, you know what? These neighbors of ours who are uh, right now out in the cold or these neighbors of ours who are struggling, these, sometimes these members of our, of our own church who are struggling, we want to make sure that there's food on their plate as well. Uh, as God shifts our perspective to, to realize that a blessed life is one that's, that's part of a blessed community that, that lifts up the people around us. Um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. I look forward to, to seeing the ways that God continues to grow us and continues to work through us and things that we get to continue to celebrate together uh, as God's grace is at work. Right now we're going to pray and then we're going to celebrate the sacrament of communion. Uh, if you'd bow your heads with me. God, we are grateful to you. Thanks be to you for your indescribable gift that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, you have been so rich in grace toward us, uh, so generous with your love. And it wasn't because we deserved it. It wasn't because we had impressed you. It wasn't because we had done anything that made you think we were worth your time. You just loved us. When we were still shaking our fist at you, when we were still using your resources for foolish things, uh, when we were still making a mess of our lives and our relationships with others and, and the whole planet you've given us, Scott, right in the middle of our mess that you looked at us and loved us and said, yes, I will give myself for them. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to come into our broken world to experience the worst of us to the point of giving your life for us, Jesus, so that by your death and by your victory over death, we might be set free so that the way might be opened, so that we might be invited and given a seat at your table as you pass your blessings around to us. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being gracious to us. Thank you that in the midst of our failure, in the midst of our sin, you have not rejected us or condemned us, but instead you have welcomed us to come and to receive mercy and grace because of what you have accomplished in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that today we can experience your grace. Thank you that today we can receive your Holy Spirit, be filled once again with your life and breath and strength so that this week we can live a life that honors you, so that this week we can live a life that expresses gratitude toward you and generosity toward others. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us this sacrament, this weekly reminder of your love. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here among us, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We remember, Lord Jesus, that on that night you were betrayed, you gathered with your disciples to celebrate the amazing, liberating work of God 
in history. And you pointed to what God was doing in you when you took the bread and said, take this, eat it. This is my body broken for you. When you took the cup and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new covenant, the new agreement between God and humanity. You invite us to eat and to drink. You invite us to share in your life, in your grace. And you invite us to be changed by the presence of your Holy Spirit so that we can live in this world as the body of Christ, given for others as you gave yourself for us. So today we offer you ourselves, God, all that we are. All I have is yours. Thank you, God, that you can make beautiful stuff out of lives like ours, that you can form a beautiful, blessed community as we cooperate with your Spirit's work in our hearts, in our lives, in our pocketbooks. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, the musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with the basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are thankful that he has been so generous with his grace and love toward us. Uh, all of us who are hungry for that grace to, to shape our lives. So if uh, we've got the regular little pita bread and we've got the little gluten-free wafers and we've got the little cups, um, and if you, uh, if you don't want to join the procession, uh, I think we've got the little cups on everyone's table, and you can if you'd like. Uh, just take one there and peel it back and get to the bread and the juice as we sing. So let's celebrate uh, the grace, the love that God has shown us in his son Jesus Christ.
shown us in your son Jesus Christ fill us today with the spirit of Christ that we might live in this world as the body of Christ as your sons and daughters carrying your rich and generous grace to the people you send us to this week thank you God for the opportunity to, to gather with others to give you thanks to reflect on your generous generosity toward us continue to shape in us hearts of gratitude hearts as generous as yours pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.